back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in literally just now not sunny scenic quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. A little bit of rain on the north side of downtown Nashville here on the 615 sessions brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising, happy to be back here with you for another week of podcasting. A couple of great guests lined up for you on the horizon. A lot to talk about within the world of local sports here in Middle Tennessee. We are going to spend some time with Brad Willis, who is formerly the program director of 104.5 The Zone, now in a new role as the executive director of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. They have their induction ceremony this coming weekend. Brad joins me to discuss all of the things that went into the decision for this class to go in as presently constructed, how they're going to pull off the induction ceremony, given that COVID has just totally train wrecked everything that we all try to do on a day-to-day basis, but certainly the production of an awards show, and what lies ahead for the Hall of Fame as they try to ingratiate people my age, mid-20s or younger, into the history that is associated with the state of Tennessee and its sports background. That's something that I believe to be particularly important because so many of us meet, myself included, by the way, are transplants here in Nashville. And if my generation can be accused of anything, we talked about this, Brad and I, during the interview, so we don't seem to care much about history. So we have Brad Willis coming up for you. We have five good minutes on Isaiah Wilson getting busted at a TSU party or at least popping up on a TSU police report, the rookie right tackle for the Tennessee Titans. All of that ahead on today's 615 Sessions. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. I'm very, I'm very upset with our guest, Brad Willis of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame because I, you know, I do a podcast because I don't like, I want to be comfortable. I do this from my house. I want to be laid back. This man comes to the Zoom chat, which you'll see on YouTube, on the A to Z Sports YouTube page. This man comes in a full suit. He looks incredibly <laughs> dapper. I'm very happy to see you and have you on the pod. What's up, Brad? How are you, Buck? I'm not wearing pants, though. It's just waist up kind of thing, you know? It's kind of the standard <laughs> protocol around here. I really, I almost, I don't put it out in the public because I feel like it's a kind of unwritten rule thing, but the podcast should be done without pants to, to get yes. guests truly comfortable in their environment. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the new work from home accepted. <laughs> Indeed. We are here and we have Brad here today to talk about the exciting things that are happening this Saturday for the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, the 2020 class, the special will be airing their induction ceremony across the state this weekend. It'll be on News Channel 5 Plus, and you can also find it live on their online stream. You guys are hosting an online auction uh, from now as we're taping this on Tuesday until Sunday at 8 p.m. to generate proceeds or to generate uh, some uh, all proceeds going to the Tennessee Hall of Fame, a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, it's exciting for any time you get to do this, Brad, but this is your first year really uh, at the helm of this thing. How, what, what, what has the process been like for you before we get into uh, the 2020 class? Well, you know, I spent the last 20 years of my life doing radio. And so when I, when I left 104.5 The Zone back in January to take this on, it was a completely 
different career path, but one that I felt like tied in nicely with with my experiences and my connections over the past 20 years. And so I jumped in with both feet. We, we uh, selected our class and kind of went through the process of rolling them out and trying to surprise as many of the inductees as we could. Really felt like we were building great momentum. And then March hit and the pandemic hit and the world stopped. And so, you know, we were really hopeful uh, at the time that we'd be able to pull off a banquet in late June. And so we held on to hope for that. We kind of uh, went about it, kind of attacking it from that perspective. And then when we got to about May, you could tell that things weren't really falling our way. And so we we made one more kind of reschedule. We pushed it to August 1st and we said, you know, we're starting to get some things. And at that point, we're starting to get good news. Nashville had kind of graduated from phase one to phase two, and it looked like we were trending positively. And then July came and everything just went backward again. And so our 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 thought at that point was we're, we're not going to try to put together an event because what we were finding is so many of our inductees were really kind of put in a hard spot because they wanted, they felt obligated to show up and accept an honor uh, and, and, and really be a part of that. But at the same time, they, same time, they were really nervous about being a part of an event like that. And so in, in the, in the, you know, just trying to take care of everyone's safety, health and well-being, we decided, you know, what, we're going to do this virtually this year. And so uh, me kind of being from a, you know, programming and, and media background, I thought, you know what, I want to make it, I want to make it big. And so Mike Keith, who's the voice of the Titans, um, who's, who's I've worked with for 20 years and was going to be the MC of our banquet. I said to him, would you host a television show for us if, if we're able to get it on across the state? And of course he was quick to say, absolutely. And so uh, this weekend, we're going to be on in Nashville and Memphis and Jackson and Chattanooga, Johnson City and Knoxville. And we may even add a couple more stations before it's all said and done. But, you know, it's it's been interesting because we've gone from a banquet that would have had 700, 800 people there to now getting exposure across the entire state. And hopefully it will end up being a positive in that so many more people will get to hear about the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame and what we're all about. Indeed. And for all of the updates regarding the programming, for, for all of the information regarding the auction that the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame is putting on, you can follow them on social media at the TSHF, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, there on social media. So it's a, it's a star-studded class, as, you know, as it should be. 2020, the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, you guys are wel- welcoming many familiar names across the state, Tim Corbin, the Vanderbilt uh, baseball coach, uh, Preds broadcaster, Terry Crisp, Jeff Fisher, uh, so many different people. Heath Schuler of all, uh, all from all generations of Tennessee sports memories, uh, just icons across the state. Why, what, what's, what makes this class so special uh, from your perspective? I think that, in, in a lot of respects, we touch so many different sports and we touch so many different people. And there are great stories. You mentioned the names that jump out to you that you know right away, but then there are some great stories like Betty Giles, who's the athletics director emeritus at the University of Tennessee at Martin. She became the athletic, she actually went to work at, at, at uh, UT Martin in 1952 and became the first female athletics director. She was on the leading edge of Title IX. She recruited Pat Summit to UT Martin. So she's a great story. And she's, she's actually a story that still kind of shapes the sporting world for, for female athletics even today. 
Um, you know, one of the things, Buck, that was really interesting for me was just getting to know all of these people on a different level. Because you talk to someone like a Sonny Smith, who most people kind of, you know, associate with his time coaching the Auburn Tigers basketball team. He coached Charles Barkley. Uh, he's such a great personality, but he's from Roan Mountain, Tennessee. We told him he was going to the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, and his reaction was, I'm in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, and I'm in a couple of other sports Hall of Fames, and I never thought that my home state would actually ever recognize me. And so for him, it was a special moment. And to be a part of some of those special moments has been really, really a cool thing to be a part of for me personally. Oh, sir, sure. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine because that – that's that's a lifetime achievement award for the for those kind of people as you're describing and you with your background for as much time as you spent ingrained in Tennessee sports just all things uh, encompassed w- whether it's now at the at the Hall of Fame or with your previous job at 104.5 the Zone like you you are you are now like one of these one of these guardians of Tennessee sports is that a dog in the background by the way it is that's that's my puppy she's uh she's wanting to make her her presence known is she also <laughs> wearing a suit we no, can put, we can put her on the camera brad i can i could pivot real quick i can do a whole different kind of interview here while we're promoting all of the things happening at the Tennessee sports Hall of fame but uh in all seriousness like that's that's got to be pretty cool personally because now you're 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 keeping you're keeping the record of all of the great accomplishments and the people of note who have done everything, who have committed their lives to supporting sports and to supporting uh, just just what it is as Tennesseans that people have come to, you know, the, the standard that we all as, as residents of the state, whether you're from here native, whether you're coming in from out of town and you, and you now identify with Tennessee, as your home state, like these are the people who are the standard bearers and you are now, you're now sitting there being able to let people like this know who've spent their entire lives committed to these causes, to these sports, to, to just kind of trailblazing um, in, in many of these cases. Uh, that has to be something that's pretty personally rewarding. It is, you know, and I, I grew up, I grew up in this state, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised here in middle Tennessee. And so I've been a personal witness to many of these stories myself. And so to, to be, as you say, kind of the, the you know, the, the gatekeeper uh, of, of sports for, for our purposes, it, it is rewarding because to be around it as long as I have to make the relationships that I have over the last 20 years in a different industry, uh, it's tied in nicely with this role. And so I've been able to um, hopefully use that to, to launch us. Because when I took over the hall in January, one of the things that, that I found out very quickly is, is that Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame had a visibility problem. And I say that from the standpoint of, I'll say to people, yes, we're located at Bridgestone Arena. And they say, oh, wow, you know, I've heard of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, but I didn't realize it was actually a thing. And, and we have a 7,700 square foot museum at Bridgestone Arena, which is right in the epicenter of tourism in downtown Nashville. So I took that on from a standpoint of, I'm gonna use my former career as well as I can to just draw as many eyeballs as I can to this Hall of Fame. Because what they've done for a long time, since 1966, is induct people that are great representatives of this state, both in terms of what they achieved on the field, what they achieved afterward, uh, there's there's so many great stories that you know, and, and we can't simply fit them all in in one year. 
so it's a great process that we go through. We have a great board that's comprised of, of, of members from West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and East Tennessee. So, you know, there's, there's stories from, you know, across the entire state and every portion of the state. And, and we get to learn about some of the, you know, great stories every year that perhaps, you know, you might not hear in Middle Tennessee. A great story, like, for example, somebody like a Carl Torbush who brought back East Tennessee's football program a few years back and was a great coordinator for a lot of teams like Texas A&M and Alabama and North Carolina. We're going to now get to tell those stories to a, a broader audience and I think there's really a lot to be learned from that. And for, you know, the youth that are coming up that really want to, you know, just learn more about what's happened in their state and the, the, the trailblazers and the people that have made a difference, you know, we're a living monument to that. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, see, that's a that's a, a dynamic that I find really interesting, Brad, because like if, if my generation, people who are in their mid-20s, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now in my late 20s, turns out, which really, really hurts me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but people of a younger demographic, we could be accused of anything. It's that we lack perspective. It's that we, we seem to have a, a disinterest almost in learning about the things that came before us and appreciate, you know, how it impacts the, the society, whether it be sports, whether it be history, you know, any any different avenue. And you guys, I think, have done a really, really good job in trying to find different ways to engage the younger audience. Because certainly in Nashville, like the, the dynamics of the city are changing with the amount of people like me that are coming in from out of town and, and trying to ingratiate themselves into the culture of the city. They want to identify with Nashville, but it's very important that they learn what, how it is that Nashville and the state of Tennessee, certainly within the sporting landscape, came to be where it is. I think you guys have done a particularly good job uh, since you've been since you took over the reins at at gaining that exposure. Because certainly for the first couple years that I was here before you were put in that position, um, I, it, it did have a visibility issue. It's not something that I really acknowledged. I didn't know where it was, and I work in the sure. business. <laughs> right, you know, and that's what I said. You know, I said that for a long time. I said, you know, when I was running the zone, and I said, you know, I've got, I've got a problem that most of the people in my building don't know about the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, and we should totally know about it. Right. Um, and you talk about, you know, the, the lessons that are to be learned. You know, Perry Wallace, who passed away back in 2017, is our David Williams Significant Historical Achievement Award winner. And Perry was the first African-American varsity player at Vanderbilt. And, and potentially, if memory serves me right, in the SEC, it's, it's a far too recent past yes. uh, you know, to think about things like that and really shows just how much further we still have to go as a nation. But he's a great reminder, especially during this time where we're talking about racial inequality and, and the things that come with that. He's a great reminder of someone who was in a situation where the, the deck was stacked against him in a lot of respects. And, and he uh, went on and had such a successful career as a lawyer and a professor and changed the world in so many ways outside of basketball, outside of basketball. And to talk to his, 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 his widow, and she talks about just what a great man he was and how he, he was just Perry, you know, that he, he did what he felt like he needed to do. But his story is quite the inspiration. And there is still something to be learned from that, especially uh, for the youth that are coming up. Even the, I say youth, but even the young 20-somethings that can look at someone like a Perry Wallace who did so much to change the world, the world of sports for everybody. 
I, just to, and to draw inspiration from stuff like that, I think, I think it's huge. You know, it's, it's, it, it's just making those kind of stories relatable. And I think that's what you guys have been tasked with at the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame and what you guys will continue to do an excellent job with. Uh, again, the, the special on Saturday night, the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame Class of 2020 special, it'll air on Saturday night on News Channel 5 Plus. They'll have it streaming online. You guys are hosting an auction. It'll run now until Sunday at 8 p.m. Uh, all proceeds will go to the Hall of the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Again, a 501c3 nonprofit. You guys have some really, really cool stuff that you have available. I'm looking on the Twitter handle now. I see a Derrick Henry signed football. I see a Peyton Manning personalized autograph helmet. Like I, this, this is just like got to be a treasure trove of offerings that you guys have available for the people really is and and um, if you're a collectible I know a lot of people who are it's great great opportunity to to find some cool items uh, you know you mentioned the Derrick Henry football you know D Dolly Parton is our Tennessean of the year she signed a limited edition guitar uh, that's uh, up for auction we've got jewelry we've got things for you know your significant other uh, if you've got if you've got a sports fan in your life who you can never find something for there's plenty of options we just added yesterday a University of Tennessee helmet that will be personalized to the winner by Peyton Manning. Oh. And so that's, that's up for auction as well. You, you said it is, it is uh, up for auction until 8 p.m. Sunday night, 8 p.m. Central Sunday night. So you can log on to our website, tshf.net, click on the silent auction information. It'll take you to the page, and you can go ahead and kind of get started or at least you know, make your list of the items you might be interested in. It's Christmas in August. It's beautiful. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you love it. And it's the it's, it's the only time I've been. It's the only time I've been star. Well, and no, that's not true. I've been starstruck twice in my like in my paid sports professional life. One was Brady when they brought him here for joint training camp practices last year against the Titans. That was uh, that was pretty. That was pretty just. Just kind of dumbfounding, but the other was the Peyton media strum around him alone would have been impressive. Oh, it's it's disorienting. These these yeah. people are like vultures. But uh, <laughs> I look uh, to to see Peyton Manning on the sidelines of the Titans Broncos games now, regardless of the outcome of that game last season for the Tennessee Titans. That was just kind of one of those moments. Was like holy holy hell, that's Peyton Manning. Yeah, that is really incredibly exciting to be able to get a personalized autograph from him. Uh, you know, even 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 those of us who try to remove ourselves from super, super sports fandom, that is a really, really cool opportunity that you are affording people. Uh, how many of these have you done today? How many of these interviews? Um, you are my third, but I have four more today. You are you are uh, a, a professional in each and every one of them, I'm sure. I'm very excited <laughs> that we got to have you on the podcast. We're going to have to have you back when uh, – when you have some more free time, when you don't have so many media obligations and we just hang out and chat. Uh, because it's, it's basically, I, I almost wish we would have brought Rhett Bryan on here with you because Rhett does the podcast probably once a month and he has show and tell. And I feel like a lot of these things that he brings <laughs> to show and tell are, uh, are probably items that he is uh, hiding from the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. That he probably, probably yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Brad Willis kind enough to give us some of his time on the 615 Sessions podcast. Bud, thanks for doing it. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it. All right, five good minutes on this Tuesday to put a bow on today's pod. Let's talk about Isaiah Wilson, the Titans rookie right tackle. Let's talk about the gathering that he attended, the party, according to Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com, our friend and regular guest co-host around here of the Midday 180 
on 104.5 The Zone. Paul reported Friday night that last Saturday, so that would have been Saturday, August the 15th, Isaiah Wilson attended a gathering that apparently got busted up by TSU campus police, and Isaiah Wilson contemplated jumping off a second-story balcony to evade law enforcement. Now, this is, under any other circumstances, this would be somewhat of a comedically hilarious story. Because, one, you have the visual image of a 320, 300, actually, I think he's close to 350, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know Isaiah's weight right off the top of my head. I know he came in a little over where they might like him to be once training camp started. But the visual of a 320-pound-plus human trying to get away from the cops by jumping off a balcony, to me, is funny to imagine. Now, what's not funny is that he could have potentially put an entire football team's season in jeopardy had he come into contact with somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19. Had he contracted COVID-19. Now, he's already been on the COVID-19 list to start the season. So clearly there is a, a pattern of behavior. And I want to say this on the front end, by the way. Like if I was Isaiah Wilson, if I was a first round draft pick, if I had all the money in the world, or at least appeared to have all the money in the world by the purview of a 20 year old. Uh, and if I knew my roster spot was secured, that really nothing is too terribly bad is going to happen to me. If I go hang out with some friends as in my first year as a freshly minted professional athlete, yeah, I would totally be double middle fingers, FU COVID-19, this is what I'm going to do, you cannot keep me locked up. I say this as somebody who has had COVID-19 and who has been through all of this crap over the past six months, just the same, or at least for the most part the same, as many of the rest of you. Now, maybe not all of you had COVID-19, but the point stands that if I was Isaiah Wilson, like it's really, really hard for me to just hit this dude over the head knowing what I know about me at 20 or 21, however old Isaiah Wilson is at this point in his still very young career. But it does not, it does not take away from the fact that this is exceedingly stupid. And we asked Mike Vrabel about this at Titans practice on Monday. Here was Mike's response. Um, you know, I think we've handled it and I've talked to um, Zay and, and, and the team, you know, I've talked to him privately uh, and continue to talk to the team and, and stress the importance of the decisions that we make, um, you know, outside the building as it relates to the people that were around because of COVID. But, but long before that, we've, we've stressed to them about their behavior um, outside the building um, since I've been here. You know, that's something that's important to, to this organization, to, to, to Amy and to John and I. Um, so, so again, we, we, we have to learn from it. Uh, continue to, to stress the importance that you're not only talking about yourself in this case with with the pandemic, but but you're talking about other players and their families as well. So they've handled this thing internally. They've uh, they've talked to Isaiah, which I, God forbid, uh, I would not want to be a part of that conversation with Mike Vrabel. Like to have Mike breathing down your neck already as a football coach, much less to screw up in so so stupid of a fashion because this is like. Make no mistake, just because I would have done it doesn't make it any less stupid, okay? <laughs> this could have completely torpedoed everything that we've all, collectively, and I do mean all of us, whether that be media, players, staff, coaches, all of us, collectively, trying to make sure that we do the right thing that, so that we 
can participate in a 2020 NFL season. This dude could have sandbagged all of it by attending one uh, substantial gathering, whether it's 15 people or more. Kaharski said he wasn't able to track down, and he wrote about this again at paulkaharski.com. Here's what stands out to me. Mike Vrabel, and I talked about this on the primetime show a little bit on Sunday night, Mike Vrabel has one golden rule. And that golden rule is that we will treat you the same way that you treat the team. Now, Isaiah Wilson has had one public screw-up, two COVID-19 dust-ups, for lack of a better term, whether that's landing on the list to start training camp, or now attending this gathering of people in the midst of training camp on an off day, but in the midst of training camp nonetheless, Isaiah Wilson has had two moments where he clearly has disrespected the team. And so when Mike says there in that clip that he has handled it internally and he believes they have handled it internally, I believe what he means by that is that he wants these players, and this is what this is this has been kind of his approach throughout the course of his two years here, now heading into three, he wants the play, uh, he wants the players to police that locker room. He wants them to handle these things internally so that he doesn't have to step into their sacred space, which he considers to be the locker room as a former player himself, and so that he doesn't have to interrupt the, for lack of a better term, the power structure that they have worked so hard to build, the accountability structure that they have worked so hard to build. So when you hear this clip of Taylor Lewan talking about how he handles the policing of young players and Dennis Kelly being very much factored into all of that, not only because he plays right tackle as well as Isaiah and is currently entrenched in the starting spot ahead of Isaiah, but as the player union rep, when Taylor Lewan discusses how he's kind of approached his mentorship for these young guys, this is a situation where he wants them and they want them, whether that's A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Malcolm Butler, Taylor Lewan, all of these guys to keep their teammates in check so that the coaches can go about their job. And if something needs to be stepped in front of, fine. Mike Vrabel's there to do it. Take the bullets from the media and protect the players. But the players are ultimately responsible for holding each other accountable. Hey, you've done a pretty good job the past couple of years with helping younger guys who are coming into the who are coming onto the team, whether it's working one-on-one with Harold to try and help him develop better as a pass rusher, whether it's welcoming Isaiah into the group and kind of bringing him along. Do those guys typically approach you for insight and advice, or do you go out of your way to make sure that you're doing it? I think a lot, I mean, I, there's, there's both in a lot of ways. Um, with Harold, it's, you know, me and Harold, when he first came in, was we were going against each other a lot, and we had a short interaction with each other when he was training for the combine. I was in the same place that he was training, and so we got to know each other from a little for a little bit, so I think there was a comfort level there for him. So, you know, I would tell him, this is what I'm aiming for. These are my thoughts. This is what I'm thinking when you set or run like this. Um, with Isaiah, it's, you know, when you're when you're a first-round pick, there's a lot of people trying to help you. There's a lot of people trying to tell you what to do. And, you know, vets from all over the place are going to be like, hey, this, if you want, like, try this or that. And it's, it kind of goes all over the place. So, for me, I went up to Isaiah and said, hey, man, I'm here for you as much as you want me to be. If you need any help with anything, I'm there for you. Um, and he, he, he and I have talked a lot and there's been a, um, some growth there for sure. And I think he's, um, he's working towards, you know, getting to where he needs to be. And it's been, um, it's been good. I think, you know, it's, it's fun to be in a position to help people because, you know, when I got here my first year, 
I don't know which way was up. I, I literally, it, it was all, it was all over the place. It was a different building back then. Um, and so it was, it was very difficult. Guys were learning a new offense. I was coming into a team that was learning a new offense and to be a part of something that was my third time, third year in the same offense, uh, essentially, even with Matt leaving, uh, it's, it's good. It's fun. Um, you start to know things, you start to learn little details here and there. It's much easier to help guys out. And so, um, but to the long answer of it all is, um, it's been half and half, man. I think I'll go, I'll go to them a lot and they'll also come to me. So it's been really awesome. If I can follow up on that, what makes it such a different building from the time that you got here and you were, you felt like you were disoriented to where you are now? I think you can tell a huge difference in our record. I mean, it's, that's the easiest way to look at it. I mean, I know we've gone nine and seven in the last four years, but um, you know, I was on the two and 14 teams. I was on the three and 13 teams. I was on the teams that mid November guys were talking about what they're doing for vacation. And now I'm part of a team that is, is hungry for a playoff, is hungry for, you know, getting one game farther than we did last year, is hungry for making more steps and strides, not just as individuals, but also from a whole team standpoint. I think guys have done a really good job of really buying into this culture. And I think, it, I mean, obviously um, it starts, it started with John when he got here. And then when I think it really started to change when he got right, when he made the move to bring Vrabel in, I think there was a huge culture change. Um, cause you just go into one of Vrabel's meetings, it's nobody safe. <laughs> and it really is. I mean, the best players get yelled at the youngest players, the worst players, everyone gets yelled at, everyone gets coached hard. And I think, um, with that expectation lets us know that, Hey, we're all, we're all trying to win one goal and it doesn't matter. There's no individuals here. It's let's try to go win and do something special that, uh, never has been done here before. This is the situation that we find ourselves in with Isaiah Wilson, and this will be the ultimate test because this is a perfect case study for how one guy can completely and totally sink an NFL football season. And that's five good minutes. I don't know if it's five good minutes. It's five-something minutes. <laughs> it's five concerning minutes here on a Tuesday on the 615 Sessions podcast. A great show, a great guest in Brad Willis. Shouts to him for coming and telling us about the proceedings for the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame that will take place over the weekend. Hopefully we're going to have a few a few Tennessee Sports Hall of Famers join us on Thursday's edition. I will uh, I will save I will save the tease, but I'm pretty confident that we will have some names that you will recognize that matter very much in this state's sporting history ahead. Many more fun conversations to come. Make sure before Thursday's pod that you rate, review and subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network and the 615 Sessions, wherever it is that you get your podcast. We will answer your questions in the iTunes Review Mailbag every Thursday if you leave a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast Review. You can say whatever nasty thing you want about me and say whatever nasty thing you want about the Tighten Up Idiots because they are fairly stupid. Uh, no, I say that in love and in jest. That was uh, that, that, that went a step too far. I don't mean that they're stupid. <laughs> I, you know, maybe some repressed emotions. Not just kidding. Love you guys. And they'll come your way in this very same feed tomorrow as you're hearing this podcast on Tuesday. But regardless, you leave five stars. You have a question about the Titans, about something happening here in local sports. I will do my best to answer it as long as you have five stars associated with that review for the iTunes review mailbag that we do on the Thursday show. I'm going to get out of here. And I look forward to bringing you more good conversations in the weeks to come. In the meantime, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you, as always, 
by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Com.